to the Forerunners Podcast. You've tuned in to part two of our interview with Stephen McKenzie, who happens to have the greatest beard of anybody who's ever been on this show. Congratulations on that, Stephen. Without further ado, let's get into the story of direct performance physical therapy. Boom, we're back again. So we're gonna, I wanna ask you about the story of direct performance. That is your practice and I really want to go all the way back to like conception. Sure. Of that. We can do it. Of the thing. So trip down memory lane. Yeah, where did the idea start? So the idea started um, between me and Jake McCrow. My partner, one of my best friends out there, yeah. such an awesome dude, um, and we worked together at an outpatient clinic out of PT school. Mm-hmm. Um, we were there for like five years, and probably like two and a half years in, we just started tossing around ideas, and with me having a finance and management background, it was something that I was always interested in. I grew up in a family where my dad owned his own business, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I could see all the benefits that would come with that, you know, from, from time management to family time mm-hmm. to, you know, just being able to make the calls and have fun doing that. Yeah. Um, so about two and a half years in, me and Jake, a couple times or once a week, we'd always go over to Qdoba. It used to be like right across the street from work. And we would sit and brainstorm and talk and chat about like dreams and what we wanted to do and, you know, just over the course of a couple of years, it just got to the point where work was getting really crazy. Um, you know, management was asking more and more out of us. We were having less and less time with our patients, mm-hmm. um, which was really frustrating. I think as a new PT, you want to come in and like make the biggest impact on the world, mm-hmm. the community, on the people you treat. And then when reality hits you that you've got three patients in the clinic at one time, and I can't help all of them. Yeah. And I'm trying to do that anyway. You just run around with a, you know, chicken with its head cut off type of thing. Yeah. Um, so we started brainstorming about, hey, if we were going to do our own thing, what would it look like? And, you know, we came up with, you know, kind of the principles that, you know, we wanted to base the company on. And the big thing was that we would get time. We wanted time with our patients. We wanted time selfishly for ourselves. Yeah. A lot of the patients we would get to work with would be some of the most incredible people you'll meet. And mm-hmm. I wanted to do a good job for them. Yeah. You know, I really wanted to be able to take care of them. You know, I wanted to treat them the way I would want to be treated if I was a patient, if I had a problem, really help them get better. So that's really where like the idea was born out of, was just that need to do it the way we wanted to do it, you know, without management breathing down our neck about how many patients we were seeing and how long we were spending with them and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, so, and the only way you can do that is to go to a much smaller environment, yeah, a one-on-one environment. So, um, once we decided that that's kind of what we were thinking, you know, we started thinking about where we wanted to do it and how we wanted to do it. And, it took us years to put that plan together and to put it in place. Um, you know, 
we were very fortunate that um, both of our wives are really incredible people and deliver us with a completely different skill set. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm the detail person. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm the numbers. You know, I'm dotting the T's and you know, dot, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that happens too, and you yeah. get mixed up. But um, you know, Jake's the dreamer. Yeah. He's you know, good ideas, bad ideas, doesn't matter. Ready to go full steam ahead yeah. on whatever the idea is, and always super excited about it. Um, and then, you know, we're just really lucky that my wife was a CPA, an accountant, so we had somebody to help us with the books. And, you know, Jake's wife was a man, uh, marketing background. So we had all the pieces we need. It was like the perfect storm. Yeah. And really, like, me and me and Jake met in PT school. Um, I don't think any of us would have thought it would have turned into what it has today. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in PT school, come to find out, we were at Virginia Tech the same time, and we never met. <laughs> and actually, like, he was in a study group with one of my wife's roommates. So I'm sure, like, we walked by each other on the stairs. Yeah. They lived in the apartments, like, right next door to each other. Um, you know... My wife and she had a whole another set of girls right next door, and he was coming over to do study groups with them. So, kind of one of those crazy things. Yeah. Um, um, quick sidebar. Yeah. Uh, one thing that jumped out during your story was that you guys went to Qdoba. Oh yeah. I mean, let's talk about this for one second. Qdoba, Moe's, Chipotle. Was Qdoba like the one you chose, like out of those three? So Moe's was also right there. And we were like heartbroken when Qdoba closed because they had this ancho chili sauce that was just to die for. And now you can only get it at military. So yeah, <laughs> you got to go, you got to drive a ways to get it. And is for a while they is, took it off the menu totally. Is Qdoba still open? I don't know. That's the only Next one I knew Panera. of. Next to Panera, right? Off South or North Military. Yeah. Man, yeah. Qdoba. I always thought Qdoba was kind of like you thought that was like bottom of the barrel. It is like scraping the bottom, dude. I think we would have picked Chipotle if we could have. Okay, but, there you go. But we had we had this deal like health professionals could go and like buy one get one. So like oh. we would just crush food, and <laughs> and then the day that we found out that we went over, they didn't have the ancho chili sauce. We were like crying in there. It was the saddest day. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes it's the small things. Rest in peace, Qdoba. <laughs> For some people, good riddance yeah. from other people. Yeah. Absolutely, I'm absolutely. I just kidding. <laughs> All right, let's get back to this. So, your first location is the location you're currently in right now, right? Is that Great Great Neck, right? No, not actually. Really? Um, that is actually the third location. Oh, okay. The Great Neck office. Getting some history now. Yeah. So after it took us a year to get all our paperwork set up and I think that is like a just time consuming process to get set up. I mean, small businesses are not set up to succeed working with insurances mm -hmm. and all that all that goes along with that. It took us a year just to get that set up. Yeah. And then we were finally talking about where to put it and we were going all over town trying to find space and then 
the space that we ended up working for us was inside of um, this small training studio called Functionally Fit. It was right on Shore Drive, like right next to Westminster Canterbury. Okay. Kind of across the street from where Pleasure House Brewing used gotcha. to just moved from. So we have very humble beginnings. Yeah. We had, we rented space to have like, I think about, I think it was in total like 300 square feet. Mm. So we built out one private room mm-hmm. for private treatments. And for a long time, we just had one table out in the open. And when we weren't there, we would push it away and it would go back to being a training studio. Mm-hmm. And then maybe like six months into working there, we put up a curtain so we could have two private areas. Uh, so it's crazy to think back to those times. Yeah. And me and Jake always joke that if we could make it in that spot, we actually had something. Then we were actually like doing what we wanted to. Like people were really seeing the value because that place really, like quite honestly, was a shithole. <laughs> How long ago was it? Um, so we're we're over five years in. All right. um, that was in July, and we were there for sixteen months when we started. Oh, okay. And about uh, twelve months in maybe a little bit shy of that we opened the rosemont office and we started going back and forth between those two and me and jake did that for a long time Mm -hmm. and and that's when uh we hired brian marr to come work with us shout Um, out to brian i know brian's the man me up um took a lot of faith for him to jump on board with us you know just two guys in a small business take a lot of risk going from a big corporate company Mm -hmm. Um, but we always told him like we're the guy who trained him at the place we were at before, and we were like, we can't bring you with us to start, mm-hmm. but if we ever get the opportunity to hire somebody else, we want it to be you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was, you know, gracious enough to entertain our crazy ideas and come along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now now Brian's over with us, and he manages the Norfolk office, and, yep. you know, part owner over there, so... Yeah, he. Um, it's interesting that you use the word faith because I consider Brian my own personal Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so those, basically, that's the three OGs then, man. Like mm-hmm. original gangsters yes. of, of direct performance. Let's talk about the name, dude. How'd y'all come up with direct performance? Yeah, um, you know that's that's Jake. Yeah, yeah, the dreamer. Yeah, he came up with it. Um, very fortunate that you know I was like yeah I like it let's roll with it like it it fit everything we wanted to do we wanted to be about performance about athletes about getting people back to their passion I mean Mm -hmm. that's our passion yeah is to help you do your passion that's what like that's the best day like I had a patient email me today that they did something that we were working on you know her accomplishing and she did it and that's like that's the biggest thrill Mm -hmm. because I know like that's actually like helping this community and making it a better place. Cause if you're doing what you love, like people are happy, they're going to be positive. To somebody else they see positive to their family. It just, that means everything to us. Yeah, man. So direct is, you know, we want you to see the impact. We want you to feel it every time you come in. Mm-hmm. We want it, you know, we want you to feel like you're getting taken care of when you yeah. come into our office. And that's, that's the way we feel like healthcare should be delivered. Yeah. So we want to have a direct impact on your performance. Yeah. Um, well, that y'all, y'all's name is perfect because yeah. in my experience, that's what's always happened. So you guys, you said you're five years old now. Yeah. And 
you, how many active locations do you have right now? Great Neck down in Virginia Beach. Right. You've got One Life down on uh, Monticello. Monticello. Uh -huh. And you've got uh, Iron Asylum over at Kempsville. Right. And then is there... And then there's Rosemont, Rosemont. which is inside of Unify Fitness. Okay. But there's going to be another one. So oh, you're, you're searching. I mean, it seems, <laughs> we put it out there. It's, I'm putting feelers out there. There seems like I've seen a build-out yeah. picture, dude. Yeah, it's coming. Um, yeah, we're we're about to move one of the locations, and we're really excited about it. It's it's everything we could have dreamed of for a location. We're gonna have three private rooms. We're gonna have our own own workout space inside of this incredible facility. It's gonna be right at town center, mm. um, and you know it's the, the facility is latitude climate and fitness, mm -hmm. and there's one in Norfolk right now, and it's a gorgeous facility. So we work closely with them over there at between the One Life office and Norfolk. Um, my brother is actually a part of it, so oh, okay. that's where like our connection comes into that. Um, but this is gonna be a state of the art climbing facility mm -hmm. i mean the ceilings are 55 feet high so it's a climber's dream there's going to be fitness equipment full rogue rig and workouts so you'll have yoga you'll have cardio equipment you'll have weight training um, hit classes you'll have us you know in there keeping people healthy and it's just a little bit more central location for us and um we're going to be moving the rosemont office okay. um just a little bit closer to town center and it works out really well for our partners at Unify because they're just busting at the seams and they're yeah. ready for a little bit more space there too. So gotcha. they're, you know, it works out it's really a win -win well. It's for a, everybody. It works out really well for everybody. Nice. Well, let's talk a little bit about the science of physical therapy. How new is physical therapy? Physical therapy? That's a great question. Um, it's been around for a long time. Um, yeah. It really dates back. I'm going to screw up the person's name. I really should know this. So I'm not even going to say it because I'll screw it it's up. It's all good. You don't have but to say it. But it dates back really to helping people recover from illness and um, and like war injuries. Yeah. is really where a lot of this stuff started. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just developed from there. So, um, and there's, physical therapy is such a mixture of techniques and specialties. So some things date back a lot longer. Some things are adapted from other previous types of medicine. Yeah. Because it incorporates movement and tissue work and everything that involves muscles and bones. Yeah. I've seen, I think maybe, you know how Google recommends articles to you sometimes? I think it recommended an article to me one time that talked about making sure you see a physical therapist before you go get surgery. Because physical therapy can be a lot cheaper and a lot more successful than a surgery can. And you could be jumping into something that you don't need to have surgery for. Absolutely. Do you find that that is often the truth? Yeah, we do. And I think if you talk to a lot of the surgeons in this area, they, they understand that too. They've seen the research. It's out there. Um, the research shows that at a year of a retrospective study of a surgery, comparing someone with a surgery to not having surgery for the same thing, that you're about going to be at the same point in healing. And sometimes the conservative approach is even better. 
Yeah. There's certain times we absolutely need surgery. Yeah. But I think that's part of the problem is sometimes there's surgeries completed that maybe didn't need to be done. Maybe they didn't yeah. have enough cur- conservative treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't have enough patients to deal with having a little bit slower outcome. Yeah. But in the long term, they end up getting the same outcome that they would have had anyway. Yeah. So I've told, I think I told this story in season one, but when I started running, I kept getting hurt over and over and over and over again, right in my right calf, and sometimes the same thing in my left calf. My left calf, it hurt a lot, it got hurt a lot less. Man, I kept Googling, dude, and I found this article in in self-diagnosed and pinpointed my calf injuries to a Runner's World article that said it was a calf heart attack. (laughs) I know that sounds funny. (laughs) Sounds extreme. But they would give, they would give this, it was talking about like the fascia ripping, and it was just something I just bought into because I don't want to go to the doctor and stuff. And uh, so I kept self-diagnosing and doing what it said to do to heal myself. And finally, you know, it was uh, this was the day I met Scott Ward. Um, it was the Biffledink ten by five k, and in I think the sixth round of the the six five k my it happened again and i had to quit and uh my wife put her foot down and said you're not going to use google this time you're going to go to a doctor so at that time i was still pretty still pretty new to running a couple months in and the only person i knew in uh, the only runner i knew and like respected uh enough to go get advice from was Drew at Run Etc. He'd help me all the time. And so I, I messaged him and I said, hey man, do you ever get hurt? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm hurt right now. Who, who do you recommend I go see? He was like, the guys over at Direct Performance, man. And I messaged y'all that night. It was a Sunday night and I received like a message back and made an appointment and uh, I spent about um, maybe three minutes uh, telling this story to Brian. He was like, let me see you do this. And he immediately told me that the reason my calves were getting hurt was ankle mobility. He could see, like, my ankle wouldn't go above 90 degrees, dude. Like, it was below 90 degrees. So, the like... um, he started giving me exercises like the eccentric uh, heel drops and uh, and and some other rubber band thing, and then some uh, some stretches. Some probably ankle mobilizations. Yeah, and- yeah. And he'd um, he'd drop. We'll talk about dry needling needling in a little bit. But when you go to a physical therapist, the physical therapist gives you all these little tiny, some sometimes little tiny movements to do. Sometimes they're big movements, but they're things that you go home and you repeat. And in order to have a lot of success with the physical therapy, you got to do your homework. So what I really want to address is how in the world does doing these little movements, these little exercises, help improve your injuries so much? I don't. I, it's hard for me to grasp. I think that answer depends on really how much you want to nerd out to all this stuff. <laughs> let's go half nerd. Let's let's stay let's lame. Let's stay layman's terms. It 
so much of our movement in our body is what we call neuromuscular. Mm-hmm. So the brain at the is controlling how our muscles move. And when your brain interprets all this information that's coming in feedback from when you're running, your muscles are going to respond differently than maybe they should have. If you've got, let's say you have that poor, poor ankle mobility. So now your calves and your peroneals and the muscles in your shins are going to work differently and not a normal pattern because your brain's like, all it's, all it's telling it is, I'm going to put one more foot in front of the other and go down the street. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, it's taken out at a toll mm-hmm. because you don't have the mobility you need. And that's one of the things that we always harp on is mobility before stability and then mobility and stability before training and training before you go to performance. So if you can re- reteach those muscles how to work properly in the correct sequence and reteach the joints how to move properly, you're reset back to normal. So that's a lot of what physical therapy boils down to is us teaching you how to reset things on a normal enough to a normal enough basis so that you can continue your activity pain-free. If you never reset your ankle mobility back to normal, we can take care of the pain and we can put band-aids on things. But if we don't fix the ankle mobility that was causing your problem, it might be two or three more runs. It might be four or five more runs. But eventually, you're going to stress that muscle out enough to where it's going to lock up on you because it's trying to go, hey, Danny, you got way too much weight on this bum ankle and we're, we're over it. And then that feedback loop's going to get up to your brain enough to shut you down. Yeah. And that boils down into all this pain science, you know, that we're continuing to learn more about and gets really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And we can nerd out to that stuff all night and get really deep into the science of it. Mm-hmm. But we'd be talking a whole nother language at that point. So in order to keep it understandable, I think, does that somewhat... Yeah, I, yeah that's totally good. So you, you're really just doing tiny little trainings to your body like retraining your body a little bit yeah absolutely i mean i mean when you come in and like i think that's why like it's really big to come in to see a medical practitioner with problems of this sort because you don't ever know like what it's going to lead to until you find out what's really going on the true diagnosis the true source of the pain and if we can boil down to oh you might be having pain in your in your calf but mm-hmm. it's really your ankle joint that's the problem yeah we've got to break that out in screenings and if we can fix the mobility then you can make that ankle a lot more stable and yeah. a lot more it'll produce a lot more force so you can go run again and you will be able to do it without pain yeah i had like i had several sessions with brian and eventually my ankle was able to rise six degrees which was his goal above 90 degrees so like it was pretty major improvement absolutely it was funny because i like i like put them i put them against the fire at one time because i thought compression socks worked uh miracles on me i would wear compression on my calves and i thought maybe that was keeping my my calves from getting injured and i remember putting them to the fire and being like dude tell me do these compression sleeves do anything and he was trying to be so diplomatic. He was like, you know, 
there's some evidence that, you know, they could help. But, you know, he was like, how do they make you feel? He, he basically tried to throw it back, diplomatically back into my... But eventually I lost my, my calf sleeves. And I, I'll tell you what. Since I graduated from my calf injury treatment, I literally haven't had one calf issue, dude. Yeah. Knock on wood. Because sometimes I feel like I, there's a ghost. And every now it. and then you need to check your mobility and see if it's still good. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I got my calf stretcher back yeah. there. I bust that out on a regular basis. Now, but... but yeah, I was just say there's there's lots of things out there like that, that you know you may think is good in the moment, but our brains are really complicated, and when you put on that sleeve, it changes the sensory input to your brain. Yeah, and our sensory inputs are really strong. So you were still having that calf problem, and the ankle mobility problem the whole time the sleeve is on, mm-hmm. but our sensory nerves are super fast, and they get up to our brain and they fill it and the pain nerves are a little bit slower. So the pain sensations may not get there as quick with you having that calf sleeve on. So it's almost like a little bit of a trick. Yeah. But eventually the pain's going to win out when it gets strong enough. Yeah. He, I mean, his answer, eventually the answer that he landed on is if it makes you feel better about your run, wear the calf sleeve. That's Mm -hmm. what his answer was. So, um, I do, uh, I do wear my calf sleeve for recovery because I did read scientifically that there is proven evidence that recovery-wise, a calf sleeve is, ha- helps. Absolutely. The so. more and more research that comes out, we find that compression, heat, elevation, and movement are some of the best things for injury. Yeah. We're getting further and further away from using medications and anti-inflammatories, using ice, mm-hmm. um, I don't know to, how people. I don't know how things. people use ice, dude. <clears throat> ice hurts. So I heard Ryan. It's, Carroll- a, num- it's a numbing agent. So it's just masking the pain. <laughs> oh, that's that why. That's happening? why people like it. Gotcha. So uh, we had a slight segment, a small segment on this when we t- I talked to Rachel. We got to talk about dry needling. Okay. Um, people have love hate relationships with dry needles. Absolutely. I tend to hate them but appreciate them. Of course, I've had an experience that not many people have and had my crotch area dry needle. That was not pleasant. My Specifically, my pectineus, which is a very small crotch muscle. Yeah, very small adductor. We're getting in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting personal. Yeah, so, but um, somehow dry needling makes you feel like 10,000 times better after a session. I don't understand what it is. Can you explain what dry needling is in layman's terms? Sure. I mean, dry needling is simply the practice of us putting a dry needle into a muscle, which just means a muscle, it's not hypodermic, it does not inject anything, it's a sterile needle. No medication, Mm -hmm. just a needle. Mm -hmm. Putting the needle point into the muscle. We specifically look for trigger points. The trigger point is just a spot in the muscle where the muscle's knotted up. And that little knot creates a big effect. It can cause the muscle that's right adjacent to the knot to be super irritated. You can have a big chemical reaction. It can create a lot of soreness, can create a lot of pain. 
can create a huge loss of blood flow to the area. Our muscles are very unhappy when they don't get blood flow. Mm -hmm. That's what exchanges the chemicals, works out that lactic acid. It brings healing in. So if we don't have blood flow, we get a lot of things that are going wrong. Mm -hmm. And that cramp can, can could it, the trigger point could develop more of a cramp and a little bit more of a situation of potentially, you know, tearing some muscle and causing some damage. Mm -hmm. So if we place the needle into the muscle, it's like a reset. It causes a contraction. It causes a twitch. I'm sure you probably felt the twitch. Oh yeah. Some people love I it. Did. I did. Some people actually absolutely hate it. Yeah. I basically said many, many cuss words. Yeah. You have that, that, uh, Kelly Clarkson moment. Like yeah. the, uh, yeah, I just apologize. <laughs> I just apologized to Brian the whole time. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Come on. Like, I'm sorry for saying these words. Yeah. And we have so many different reactions across the board. We have people that absolutely love the feeling of it to people that barely notice it to people that can't stand it and to people that just tolerate it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so when you place that needle in there, it creates a twitch response. And then we get local blood flow reinitiating to that trigger point. And the blood flow helps to start a healing reaction. And sometimes we get multiple twitches and a lot of blood flow releasing to that area. And it's like hitting that staples reset button, mm -hmm. you know, where the muscle can start to work again. So that's when we start to take you through movement patterns and start to get that muscle to move more normally and we start to retrain it we always like to say it's like reprogramming it and then everything we do in the clinic is reprogramming and then mm -hmm. we're going to give you some homework yeah. so that you can hit save on the save document mm -hmm. and our analogy is quickly like going by the wayside when you don't have to hit save on anything anymore <laughs> everything just auto saves yeah <laughs> but our brains aren't like that it doesn't yeah. auto save you got to mm -hmm. practice it yeah so I mean, that's, that's kind of dry needling in a sense, but dry needling is just the start. Everything else that you do, that we teach you to do, that is even more important than the dry needling. Yeah. Dry needling is like the sexy new thing. Everybody mm -hmm. wants to talk about it, but it's all the stuff that happens after that's really important. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's kind of like learning something and it's like... If somebody teaches you something and you don't really take it in, you don't really follow the advice, it's, you're probably going to have to go back to relearn it again. Yeah. So that's what happens. So that takes me back to my first visit with Brian Marr. And uh, he told me, first of all, he started feeling around my calf. And he sounded shocked. He was like, oh my God. And I was like, is everything okay? He was like, this is... you." The knot in your calf is literally the largest muscle knot I've ever felt in my life. It feels like a softball. And I think maybe that was my, why my experience with, uh, with the dry needling was so rough at first. Because he shoved it into a softball-sized knot. And this is why we tell people, if you have an issue, come in early. So we can take care of it really quick yeah. instead of you causing a big problem. <laughs> yeah. But we're all stubborn, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but I, I love, I love what you guys do. I, yeah. I li literally felt like you guys, you know, it's no, it's no secret that I was a pastor for a long time and I really feel like y'all got Jesus touch on you. Like, 
Like, come in. I hope we do. Yeah, I mean, it feels awesome. like that. It's really, yeah. it's like, it was my best way of thinking about it. Like, I was hurt and suffering. And because you guys, because I had an interaction with you guys, uh, I was made whole again. And it yeah. it felt it felt biblical. <laughs> I know that's funny sounding, but but it, it, it it's kind of weird because that's something that resonates with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got you know a family history and a past that um, both my parents were religious, and you know, unfortunately, like my mom passed away when I was much younger, mm-hmm. and I just watched her go through this process of her body breaking down with cancer treatments and radiation, and I could just see her function just slipping away from her, her ability to be the person she was and do the things, you know, that she loved to do and eventually got to the point where she couldn't walk anymore and we were carrying her up the stairs of a wheelchair. And, you know, as a young kid, that's something that affects you a lot. So for me, like, I really do think, like, at the end of the day, like, that shaped me to be who I am and is part of my calling to go and help people yeah. to get better and mm-hmm. live the life they want. So yeah. that's something that means a lot to me. So I appreciate you. Yeah, man. You know, that's, how, that. that's how I feel from the bottom of my heart. What, what would your advice be um, to a runner or to an athlete? To decide, what would be something that would make them decide to go to a physical therapist to to get, like come visit direct performance? Like, what kind of could could it be a multiple? Could it be a plethora of things? Maybe just an ache or an injury? When would you tell them to look into coming? Honestly, I I think we're trying to be the shift in healthcare. I mean, we can do a lot for people that are completely healthy. Yeah. And for runners, you're at a very high risk for injury rate, especially as your mileage increases. I think every runner can benefit from a running analysis. Yeah. And honestly, like a lot of people that come in for a running analysis, they come in with pain and we have to tell them like, I can't do this yet. Gotcha. Pain precludes you from partaking in a video game analysis because all we're going to see is the, the faults in your system. Yeah. because of how you're running in pain. We want to get to people before they have the pain. So I can pick up the ankle tightness. Yeah. I can pick up you know the the glute weakness and the knee overextension and all these different things that we look at. Are you overstriding and breaking and you know how are all your angles looking? We can find a lot of things and be really helpful to patients that are doing just fine. I'd love to if we can continue to like push the forefront of therapy to coming in for more wellness visits. Yeah. Just like we do at the dentist. That's interesting. I mean, if we take our teeth so seriously that we come to the dentist every six months and if we're an athlete, a runner, a weightlifter, whatever it is, I think we should take our bodies just as seriously to get them checked on a regular basis to see where can I improve on mobility and stability and what am I missing because those are the things that are come back to get you and sideline you for multiple weeks potentially down the road so and I think we're on the forefront of that and I think we've got a couple other local physical therapists that are doing the same thing and I'm really excited by that that's really interesting let's talk a little bit about running analysis um I had a running analysis done it was it was um 
It was pretty interesting. So you guys use some some technology to to record and to look at angles and things. Tell us a little bit about running analysis. I mean, luckily for us, we're we're starting video gate analysis, and we started several years back. But we came in a time where our smartphones and the video cameras are incredible. We can get a really high frame rate, so we can which means we can slow things down mm-hmm. and look at it. So we just get some tripods and. Um, we shoot you from a lateral view and a posterior view and we shoot about five minutes worth of running and then we sit down with you and we go through every single measurement that that we can do Mm -hmm. related to running and how it impacts your injury rate and things we need to fix and mobility pieces we need to fix and faults in your mechanics. Yeah. And it's very eye opening for most runners. Most people run down the road thinking they look like the guy winning the Boston Marathon. And in reality, very few of us look like that because otherwise we'd probably be winning the Boston Marathon. Mm-hmm. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. So um, as we round this episode out, we're going to get into some of your favorite things, dude. Sure. What's your favorite color? It's green. Through and through. I am Irish. Like... To a T. And I have a couple of friends that give me a really hard time about this because they think green's a super ugly color. But I just love like normal, standard green. I used to have a pair of like green shoes in high school. I just, anything green, like I've always loved that. My wife is a green person. She likes green too. But I have a hard time enjoying green if it's unnatural. Like I like green plants. Mm-hmm. And grass and stuff, but green color things, you know, it's not my cup of tea. But I deeply love somebody who loves green, so I can vibe. <laughs> I can vibe with that and appreciate that. All right, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie is The Usual Suspects. Kaiser Sose, dude. Yeah, I just love that movie. It's so clever. It's super smart. The acting job by almost everybody in that movie is top notch. You didn't just sit here and make up this whole interview, did you? Maybe. Looking behind the maybe <laughs> the bulletin maybe. board behind me. <laughs> the bulletin board behind me says Kempsville High School, dude. Like that's crazy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but the guy behind you has a lot better beard than you have. Oh man, yeah, I can't that, help but notice that. Yeah, who is that? <laughs> who is that dude? He looks kind of familiar. That's funny. We'll get that. We'll get back to you. <laughs> All right, so here's the ones you expect. What's your favorite race? My favorite race is the one that humbled me. Oh, that, okay. Um, Asheville Biltmore Half Marathon. That's that's really interesting because it's the one you felt like got away. Yeah, I have to respect it. I mean, I went there to destroy it, <laughs> and it destroyed me. And I, got, and I want another chance. You know, it's... And if if we're honest, like, isn't that why we run? To see what we can accomplish? Yeah, that's true. I think if you haven't found that race, you need to look for it. Yeah. I found it, and I ran it twice, and yeah. finally defeated it by 20 seconds. So, I'm done with marathons <laughs> for a while. Anyways, um, what's your favorite route to run, just training-wise? My favorite route... Is out at first landing. Is it Osmanthus? No. It is Osprey. And it needs to be 
in the morning with my dog and no one else out there. Preferably with like a little bit of water still on the trail. Not a ton, but enough to where like I let Kemp off the leash when I'm like back in there. Nobody get me in trouble for that, but he is a runner and he enjoys it. And he always comes back when I whistle. So yeah. he's good for it. But just to watch him, like he helps me find the joy of running back there. We'll have to go running one time. I'll bring it. I'll That's bring you cool. out and let you run with him. There's, I hope there's I can, a couple other people that have gotten to see him back there, and he's, he's just amazing to watch you. it. That is cool. I I have thought many times, man, a dog would be a great running companion. Absolutely. <laughs> so, what's your go-to running shoe, man? I might already know this answer. So, it used to be the Pegasus Nike, and then eventually I wore off enough toenails because they kept changing it. So. Mm-hmm. I've kind of been on the search since then, but my last two pairs have been the Brooks Hyperion Tempo. It's a little bit of a newer shoe. It's super light. It's a neutral. It's so fast. They look good. Oh, you, they only come for a while. They only came in one color. It was just that black and like the blue sole. Mm-hmm. Now you can get a white shoe, so you can get it messy on one run. Nice. So I go black, but um, but. It, I recommend it to anybody that's looking for a fast, neutral shoe. I yeah. told Drew it was the only thing they needed to carry it running, etc. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right. Here's my question that I'm really curious about. What is your favorite injury to help somebody come back from? That's a really tough one. There's a lot of great injuries out there. <laughs> that sounds really bad to say, doesn't it? But as a PT, like, there's some things that we can get like really excited about treating. Yeah. Um, but while I treat a lot of runners, I am a spine specialist. So like, one of my favorite things to treat is a cervical radiculopathy. They usually get better super fast. What that is, is when you have a pinched nerve like at the nerve root in your cervical spine, mm-hmm. and it it kind of debilitates the arm. You can get numbness, tingling, pain in it. But sometimes we can make such a quick impact on that that people walk out and it's just like that magician moment where you just like wave the wand and made them better. Yeah. And it's like it's, a, it's such a cool experience because like there's a few things in PT where that can happen, where a lot of things take some time. So like when you get one of those that comes in and you can fix them really quick. It's fun to have those moments and to see the shock on their face when they're doing that much better. And yeah, um, I'm for the sake of the listeners, I'm going to try to repeat that. It's a cervical radiculoptomy. Close <laughs> cervical radiculopathy. Oh, I was really close. You were really close. It R- radicular is means nerve root, and opathy means inflammation. It sounds so like it's inflammation from, of a nerve root due to compression. It sounds like something from Harry Potter. Yeah. And that's a really fun word to say. So then Redu- when they come in with it, I get to say that and sound super smart and <laughs> impress them with my knowledge. That's funny. Well, we're going to wrap here. I've enjoyed your presence. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Today. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a lot of fun. Totally enjoyed If you haven't been able to tell, I'm a huge proponent of direct performance physical therapy. As a matter of fact, of physical therapy as a whole. It has done wonders in my own uh, running life. 
uh, to help my body and help me heal up. I'm also a proponent of Stephen McKenzie. What a guy, what a beard, what a brain. This week's haiku is brought to us by somebody who's very dear to my heart, Justin Hall, whose last full week in our area is the week that this will be released. So here's this haiku, I know that you'll love it. Should have pooped at home, now I'm hiding in a bush. These were my best shorts. (laughs) Thanks Justin, we'll miss you here. Keep those positive vibrations rolling in Raleigh. Well, until next time, this is Danny signing off. Godspeed.